Welcome to Dog Stars for Friday the 28th of July 2023. But we're talking about Hercules, which is visible for the next few months. So let's go. Hello and welcome back to another summer evening. Um, sort of 70% clear sky here in North Oxford. It was raining earlier, but it's cleared up. And so Max and I are out, we're back. Um, regular listeners of the podcast will be pleased to know. Um, looking for a shin bone in what's now some quite long grass, which presumably hampers the search. Haven't found anything yet. Um, but rather wonderfully, we're getting to the point, good, what, six weeks almost past midsummer, where um, we can be out at a reasonable time and see stars in the sky, um, which is good. Um, we'll have Jupiter and Saturn rising a bit later, more on them later in the year. Um, I thought I'd talk about a slightly overlooked summer constellation because people talk a lot about the summer triangle. It's three bright stars, Deneb, Vega and Altair, um, which are almost overhead um, at this time of year. They're almost the first three that you see uh, when the skies get dark. Um, They're um, prominent enough. Um, But when things get slightly darker, you can see one of my favourite constellations, Hercules, just below... Deneb. Deneb is in Cygnus, so that you see a cross. Below that, there's Lyra, which is another Vega, rather, in the constellation of Lyra, which is another bright star. Below that, there's Hercules, the Greek hero. And he's recognised um, by his brightest stars, which form it's known as the keystone, like the, the shape of the stone at the top of an arch. But really, it's um, his manly torso, I suppose. Uh, undercut only slightly if you're in a dark sky. Oh, we found a tennis ball. We're ignoring the tennis ball. It's not a shin bone. Um, <laughs> yes, his manly torso slightly undercut by the fact that if you're in really dark skies, you can see his limbs, which are flailing everywhere in a slightly ineffectual pose. I like to think this is him on one of his less heroic days. Um, but Hercules, while it's a fine constellation, once you get your eye in, it's pretty easy to spot. Um, it's famous really for one thing, and that, it, that is that it's home to one of the greatest sights of the northern sky. Um, one, admittedly, you'll need binoculars um, or very good eyes to see, but it's home to the great cluster of M13. Now, this is a globular cluster. It's an immense city of stars. We go to the post office? Okay. Come on then, but not in the road. This way. This way. Good boy. Not in the road. Um, it's an immense city of stars, hundreds of thousands of them, um, which through binoculars show up as a faint misty patch. Indeed, in a telescope, shows up as a rather larger misty patch. If you've got a big telescope, you start to see individual stars. But these globular clusters, they're almost mini galaxies. In fact, they may even be mini galaxies. There's some thought that they're the core of dwarf galaxies that have collided with the Milky Way. Don't pee on the bin. All right, pee on the bin. The people are going to watch you. Come on, then. Let's go. Let's go. No, it's shut. Um, good boy. Hang on, let me get to the corner. Good boy. Good boy, do you want some beef? Have some beef. There you go. Good boy. Let's go. Come on. Um, they may even be the cause of different galaxies. Hey, Pedro. Um, actually ran into it's Pedro Ferrer, the cosmologist. We should have stopped and interviewed him. Um, anyway... These may be the cores of galaxies. They're really their own systems in their own right. I like to imagine what it would be like to live on a planet in such a cluster 
we get a magnificent view of the Milky Way, especially at this time of year where we're looking straight through the heart of the galaxy. If you lived on a planet around a star in a globular cluster, you wouldn't see the night sky at all. You'd just see the other stars. So it'd be brilliant and beautiful, but really rather difficult to do astronomy. because all you'd have is these sets of stars in your own cluster. And slightly worse for that, for M13's astrophysicists, and most of these stars form together. They're usually old stars. So trying to piece together how stars are born, how they die, would be very difficult inside this sort of uniform city. Where are we going now, mate? Okay, to the park. Oh, not to the park, to the bins. Okay, we can do that. Um, yeah, so you, all the stars are the same, except there's a few. You can even see this in large telescopes, certainly in photos. The stars are old, they're a uniform colour, um, but there are a few blue stars scattered in there. These are known as blue stragglers. It's normally blue stars are young and die early. So what are these blue stars doing in the cluster? Um, people thought for a while they were uh, stars that formed in the cluster, uh, and that's true, but they seem to form by the collisions of other stars and sort of rejuvenate themselves that way. Um, hey Max, have some beef. We're doing a new thing where, come on, let's go. When he sees another dog, he gets beef immediately. The idea is to try and associate seeing another dog with an immediate hit of beefy goodness. Um, seems to be working a bit. Um, certainly enjoyed by my fairy companion here. I think we might be heading home though. Um, anyway. Yeah, these blue stragglers form when stars collide and they get new fuel at their centre and they sort of go back to an earlier stage of their existence. Something that can only happen in the densest environments like uh, M13, where there are stars close enough together that their gravity can cause collisions. Um, but the reason I'm thinking about M13 and Hercules was actually because, oh no, 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 don't eat that. That is roast parsnip. I suppose you could eat that. You can have one. Oh, it's crunchy. I'm not sure that is parsnip. Come on, let's go. Why is there roast parsnip in the middle of the road? No, 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 no. Come on. Good boy. Let's go. Good boy. Um, was that I've just back from a very wet and muddy time in the fields around Jodrell Bank Observatory, where I was at the marvellous, slightly insane Blue Dot Festival, uh, where I met some of the listeners, which is very nice. Um, but it's essentially a music festival and a science festival rolled into one. And so up on the main stage, uh, along with a whole host of bands I have to say I'd never heard of, uh, though Young Fathers were very good, um, Tim O'Brien, who's like the presiding genius of Jodrell Banks, Tony, what is that? That was something crunchy. It's gone now. What are you eating? What is that? Oh dear. Anyway, Tim O'Brien was talking about M13 um, because he's talking about messages to aliens. And the first serious attempt, the first Western attempt, I suppose, um, to communicate with aliens was when Frank Drake and Carl Sagan, I think it was, sent uh, a message from the Arecibo telescope, uh, which is like an 8-bit like coded message towards M13, using what was then one of the more powerful telescopes on the planet. Um, the point really wasn't to communicate with aliens, because M13 is 25,000 light years away. So even if they get the message and reply instantly, it's going to be, what, about another 50,000 years before they reply. Here's some beef, mate. Come on, let's go. Um, but the point was to do a thought experiment about how one might communicate with aliens. Um, and it's quite fun. I'll put a link 
to the, the pixelated message we've sent into the cosmos in the show notes. Um, we're going to try and go home. Um, Max is eating all sorts of things. There was no shinbone. Look for Hercules in the summer sky. Lovely to talk to you again. See you all uh, next week. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at DogStarsPod and drop us a line at dogstarspod at gmail.com. Do let us know if you've been on your own walks or spotted anything in the night sky. I'm Chris Lintot, he's Mr Max, and this was Dogstars. Thanks to Ellis Partman for production. We'll be back next week.